Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. channel or something oh man that, like that back was... in back, like middle school or high like in the 2000s uh, that had to be rough <laughs> i mean at the time i found it at least entertaining i mean it was in every was like 13, game movie was, so like, bad it's good at some point it was like <laughs> i was like 13 or 14 so it was entertaining i mean i knew i knew nothing about the the video games i'm not much of a gamer but uh, i kind of figured was, I kind of figured this was not like the game. Uh, it was definitely not like the game. <laughs> I, I think everybody no. wishes secretly they were 13, because then objective subjectivity? I, I, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. Everything is basically, oh, cool. Oh, boring. Oh, cool. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the bar for a decent video game movie is sadly low. Yep. Yeah. I'm hearing that Mortal Kombat got basically destroyed by some Chinese guys there, and yet at the same time, I kind of want to see this because I mean, could they really do anything? I, I mean, I do want to see. I want. I do want to see if the gore will be satisfactory. Uh, I guess it wouldn't really be Mortal Kombat without the gore, you know. <laughs> you, you, well, would, I mean, you would think they would at least get that right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, the '95 one's decent, partly because there's like. Uh, Lyndon Nashby was great as Johnny Cage. I thought. Yeah, they were trying. Why did they not? Why did they not have Johnny Cage in this one? Like he's. I one hear of there's the... a rumor that he might be playing some other character, but see, that also kind of boggles my mind. Why not just have him be Luke Cage? It's like John, like uh, Johnny, like Johnny Cage is one of your go- is one of the best known characters in the long list of characters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Instead, they they create a POV character for no reason. I guess kudos that the character is not just a white guy. Well, that's why they said they didn't put him in here because he, they didn't want to make it too white as a white lead. That's yeah, why. Like, it's a wise choice. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah, right? further, you know, they saw how bad people reacted to Birth of the Dragon, where they had a white guy protagonist. Also, they made one last thing. And then I'll get us started. Uh, I knew some friends who were applying to be on my Crazy Rich Asians. And you know how that movie kind of had a bunch of pre-backlash before it came out. It's just like, mm-hmm. well, you're Korean and you're applying for this Chinese role and you're getting mad at that actress. And it's like <laughs> so much hypocrisy. <laughs> just don't apply right. for the role if you just know that <laughs> someone's going to have a problem with the heritage and the founding and <laughs> Speaking yep. of languages, and plenty of that. Well, well, that's a good segue into the one, the only question mark Harrison Ward. 
<laughs> we got screenwriter Joseph Burke. <laughs> Hello. We got the action Hello. elites, Jonathan Mark. <laughs> Hello, everyone. And we got Night Taylor from Nightwatch Zone. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, guys? <laughs> you saw him in the 80s. You got the geek <laughs> with all the clip-ons. <laughs> oh, Caddy, oh. how you doing? <laughs> Alrighty, so just a fun, exclusive episode. So I'll just do a quick roundtable. I think this is interesting how this actor... Just has so many internationally kind of recognized movies, so many notorious blockbusters, so many amusingly bad blockbusters. Um, I get, I guess you could say he's kind of went on the same for the same kind of movies that you kind of would have initially offered to some mega ego like Stallone. And mm. it wasn't for someone who was kind of more of a everyday kind of grunt and likability guy, kind of like Clint Eastwood and uh, Kurt Russell. And he just was kind of the next poster boy, you know, just put him on there. You know? And mm -hmm. it's definitely he's kind of got an in between Kurt Russell and Tommy Lee Jones appeal, I'd say. I guess you could say that. Yeah, he definitely gets under the scene before Jones's star kind of takes off. And. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, before we have other awesome fans like Denzel Washington, you know, so, you know, he's still a TV star at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so I'll just circle around. Uh, Knight, you were first on here. Uh, so, uh, what movie made you become a fan of the Ford and not the company? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, well, you know especially in the 80s i mean you couldn't you couldn't escape harrison ford so it's almost <laughs> you know you you could almost take your pick and and uh m you know my my mom obviously was a big fan of his so was my dad i mean you know i could sit there and talk about indiana jones obviously that's an easy pick um but i gotta admit when i had revisited this was years after it come out when i revisited uh blade runner you know, I was oh, kind of yeah. like, wow. I was like, wow, this is kind of a different, a different vibe for him. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't what you usually saw in, in Star Wars or, or Indiana Jones or, you know, or anything like that. So that movie was so amazing. And, 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 and obviously, truth be told, the movie itself overshadows him, you know, but I think that that actually works to his favor um, in the sense that you know the movie has has lasted for so long, and as as the movie lasts longer and longer, you start to look at him and what his character was, and the new little nuances and how he portrayed it. So Absolutely. I think um, that was a big movie for me because I'm such a huge sci-fi fan. So uh, very well said. I got the poster myself. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it is kind of one of those where. The movie had everything working against it, you know, actors yes. and crew not getting along, author having mm -hmm. difficulties, getting his head, making sure you're adapting it the right way, you know, studio not knowing how to market it, and then, you know, critics destroying it and it catching on on repeat movie channel airing. So it, it definitely a kind of a one-of-a-kind movie. I mean, you see its influence on pretty much every other cyberpunk book and 
video mm-hmm. game, let alone, you know, altered carbon we've talked about endlessly on the show. Um, yes. uh, <laughs> I mean, hell, we did three episodes dedicated to it. It's that awesome movie. So, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of the right kind of movie for him to sink a role into. So it's like, it's pretty hard to look bad in this, you know, with this kind of style and cast assembled. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get into kind of the iconic roles, uh, I will say I've recently kind of, I've always made it, you know, looking at those Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy adaptations and in recent years, reevaluating even the devil's own and presumed innocent. I saw how effective he was in just even just quieter moments mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. a lot of these other leading guys, you know, they just kind of couldn't escape their personal, uh, persona and he kind of had just a way of just i think you could say just just always being intense even though he still kept getting pigeonholed everyone just wanted to have him you know save a woman and child in jeopardy <laughs> he just mm-hmm. couldn't escape that he at least had something else besides oh i gotta be a sex symbol like burt reynolds you know <laughs> right right so i'll pass it on to screenwriter uh joseph burke uh, what about this actor just kind of really, uh, what's the essence of this person? I, I think it's already been touched on, but like the idea that he, he plays the everyday man and the kind of, you can kind of, even though, like you say, in different roles, he, he manages to inhabit different things. So you've got like the wisecracking kind of scavenger um, kind of guy and the wisecracking um or oh, what's he called uh, is he a paleontologist or no what is he um an ar- Ar- archaeologist ar- archaeologist, yeah, archaeologist. <laughs> uh, not paleontologist um yeah, <laughs> i think um again i don't want to i don't want to repeat what Nye was saying but i was lucky that even though i'm what i would class as a film buff and especially like studying an ma in screenwriting it's quite embarrassing, actually, but I didn't see Blade Runner until about four or five years ago. Oh, uh, so I was like 26, and it came out, like, I think it was like the anniversary or something, and it came out in the cinema. And I thought, you know what? I, c- I can't believe I've never seen it. And it was like the final cut. So I was like, <laughs> I've got to go and see it at the cinema. And that was an experience it was just like because it was like the full like and i was like i'm so glad that i saw it in that especially because like the sound design in that film is like astronomically good Mm. so that with with the whole kind of and obviously all the fans and stuff came so it was like a big thing and then (laughs) i was like how the hell have i never seen this film um i mean i guess I'd I'd probably shoot myself if I didn't say, or like legally I have to say hand shot first. Like, <laughs> I don't care what anyone says, hand shot first, uh, because I mean like, he is the what? reason that's I will sure. tell. <laughs> like, <laughs> and and that's the thing; it's the obvious choice for Star Wars. But like, I I don't remember a time before Star Wars. Like, I always, it's like it's always been there. Yeah, I'm kind of just abandoned all Star Wars arguments just because the fan base is just over the top. And I just said, 
Oh, at least we can all agree that he's great as Deckard and great as Indiana Jones and most oh, of us yeah, like, like Indy, he's great. <laughs> Apart from maybe the to be fair, that he's not the problem in um Crystal Skull. It's the the film's the problem, but not him. Great uh, comedy. <laughs> great comedy. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. and fact that some people I know have even said that was the first Indiana Jones they saw and I'm like, where your parents oh, saw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, right. What what were your parents doing? <laughs> in, at least shut at, at least could you at least, I don't know, just huddle up with your dad on a lazy Sunday and watch Treasure of the Sierra Madre for which it was inspired by on Turner Classic movies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is like uh, people. Um so, I guess you could say it's kind of interesting how he's kind of navigated it. Like, I remember this one Forbes magazine article back around, I want to say maybe, definitely in the t- 2008 to maybe 2012 range. I'll just say 09. And I remember seeing a cool this cool article, and it just kind of talked about actors, their net worth versus what their movies did box office wise and audience reception of what they're more likely to uh, just recognize on movies or TVs. And it was just an interesting study. I might be even getting the studies mixed up, but it was kind of interesting. I just saw how if Harrison Ford, Eddie Murphy, Morgan Freeman, and a few of the other just A-listers were in a movie, just people were more likely to see it. Just They had that kind of likability yeah mm-hmm. and didn't matter if the trailer was bet garbage or the movie was you know <laughs> uh total playing field for critics it was just that kind of just invincible you're gonna rent it you're gonna see it <laughs> and i think he does kind of get to that you know once the 90s in he just starts appearing in just kind of lesser scene kind of ensemble cast movies and i thought that was interesting because He'd always kind of been part of a big ensemble, just huge, just star power in every project he's on. Um, I think you could say it even just goes all the way back to even just, you know, American Graffiti, Apocalypse Now, and even, uh, you know, the more subtle thrillers he does, like Mosquito Coast, Witness, Frantic. Um, I think that's a rarity in and of itself. Um well, yeah. what's, what's your take on it, John? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's strange because I just watched Frantic literally two or three days ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> and that's one I've described as a very Hitchcock-inspired thriller that he stars in. It's a very nuanced performance that you don't normally see with Harrison Ford. As often as you should. Yeah. Uh, I I guess you could say it was interesting just how he kind of even starts slowly kind of doing very atypical kind of roles when he stops doing all the action stuff. Um, when I saw the Jackie Robinson story, 42, and Crossing Over, mm-hmm. those were very, you know, heated dramas. And he doesn't play his typical persona in either of those, you know, subplots. But... They were both kind of interesting movies because they were just very atypical, the predictable Hollywood formula. 
And so it was like, well, that might have been why they didn't do as great, but they still, you know, were pretty interesting movie. And it was kind of cool to see him kind of go back to that, you know, uh, independent kind of formula on a big, you know, Hollywood budget. So kudos to him to even just bother to take that leap of faith and just say, no, I'm going to just play it safe, you know, with the, you know, mm-hmm. the big studio pictures only. Um, I definitely recommended Ender's Game and Extraordinary Measures just because it was even just atypical kind of dramas and sci-fi he was known for. <laughs> yeah. I even had some other history buffs who liked K-19, The Widowmaker, but they just couldn't get through the movie just because his Russian accent wasn't 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a fair argument, but I think it's a fun movie. Yeah. I guess it was better than what lies beneath. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. It's like, hey, it's the sequel to The Sixth Sense. We swear it wasn't made at the, around the same time. <laughs> swear. <laughs> right? Yeah. Aside from Crystal Skull, I guess I, I can't think of a single movie that I just can't watch aside from Hollywood Homicide or Six Days, Seven Nights. <laughs> oh, 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 what lies beneath, I'd say. Okay, well, yeah, fair enough. I guess it's a suck it, dude. It's a pretty boring movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Will, do you have some other gems that just kind of hang out for you? <laughs> I mean, well, in terms of introduction, yeah, I was also Star Wars related because I was like, <laughs> I imagine for, I mean, I gotta imagine for ninety percent of ninety-five percent or more. Because, like, when I four, my dad had the VHS of Star Wars. Uh, there you go. Circa <laughs> 92. Okay, like, so CBS. I'm 31st. But, like, so when I was four, I, yeah, I already knew how to, like, play a VCR and stuff. But, and, but also, <laughs> yeah, they also came with, they also had, like, a featurette with the, making of which i think was my first time ever seeing like a making of feature for a movie so that was cool like i actually did i wasn't like i wasn't one of those kids that got ruined the magic got ruined for me i actually thought it was really cool to learn how they did this stuff nice (laughs) and i mean on solo of course he's basically like everyone else is like we're in a fantasy world he's just like we're in this sci-fi world like okay yeah what of it so he's like basically blue collar guy in a sci-fi setting you just right. treat it like it's it's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah so what yeah i mean i see like, i occasionally it's like when i introduce some people to like forbidden planet or just older uh silent running or Oh, uh, yeah. even Rosemary's Baby or Exorcist type sci-fi and horror it's just always, it never fails they make fun of it like it's an old Twilight Zone or lesser Star Trek episode it's like, well, that's just it different time, different sets, different modus operandi well, yeah, if, you know if you know the acting style of the times, it, it helps well, exactly it's like they didn't I mean, have what we're so accustomed, and even with later Star Wars, where it's like you just you're all in a total green screen frame. It's like, you just got to have the, all right, I'm going to give it my all. You, I'll, I trust that the cinematographer knows how to frame me. <laughs> they won't no. know until they're in the room. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not like you catch the error nowadays. And it's like, well, 
the we just can't digitally erase his mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Harrison has an interesting run in terms of his earlier movies. We were talking about but before we start recording how he's got a few movies later on where he just doesn't he kind of uh, like some of Stallone and Bruce Willis's lesser material or just like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I really don't want to be here. Uh, pay me now. Um, <laughs> I got, I got, I got bills. Uh, you're right. I got bills and pill. I'm being yep. a pill. Um, and there's this, I, mean, I guess, 2000, it was with Buster Flockhart. They had a kid together, so we had a young kid to support. <laughs> I actually have a funny story. <laughs> I knew a guy who actually was with some friends in California and for whatever reason, many people were secretly friends with Harrison Ford in that neighborhood. And uh, he was babysitting like some kids who were going to his house one day or something and they're just playing around and they go into like one of his storage sheds and they found a bunch of weed. <laughs> oh. And he chased them out of there and he's like, you get out, go, go, go. it's my stuff, it's my pot. <laughs> get off my lawn! Wow. Get off my yeah, lawn! <laughs> <laughs> so he was Grand Trino before it was a thing. Um, <laughs> it's funny how he he has a likable grump attitude to him, and for whatever reason, it just kind of stands out better. I don't know why, but I guess it's just again, it's the everyday man. It's the live in your own paradise, and not have to worry about anyone else having any kind of bullshit. It's- it's grumpy, but like, yeah, he's not like, yelling. He's not yelling at a chair. Like, it's someone else. More like classic <laughs> grumpy. Like, here we go again on this adventure. There you go. Get Which is old. essentially what a total appealing is. It's like he's just reluctant to do it, any of these things. Right. I guess you could like, say it's kind of. What did you get me into this time? <laughs> uh, uh, post Danny Glover where he's like oh shit well <laughs> well we're doing this anyway um there's this civil war uh western <laughs> murder mystery he's in and he's credited as Harrison J Ford and it occasionally shows on like some of those like in between antenna channels called a time for killing it's just so funny cuz he had like just done some tv back then and he is just like very perplexed as if he doesn't know what to do as like one of the arresting lieutenants. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I remember seeing some people saying, I saw it was playing. Should I watch it? I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Especially not for him. Because he's not there it. yet. <laughs> don't right. do it. If it's in one of those uh ten action horror movie packs, you know, with photoshopped, you know, actors from their later, you know, famous roles, don't do it. <laughs> like that that Maze and Monsters DVD cover that uses, like, Tom, ha- Tom Hanks. <laughs> right. Fortunately, with Denzel, you get some good, uh, rather reasonable, like, TV movies, but they had that with a few of those other A-listers where it's like, yeah, no, they're, they're just, they were an extra in that movie. <laughs> don't fall for it. <laughs> oh, definitely it was definitely fun to see what they did before they got big. <laughs> like some of, some of their famous movies are amusing. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't remember what role he played in the conversation, but I remember it being a brief but key moment. 
I know Hanover Street and uh, Random Hearts both got Lampoon, but I found them rather reasonable despite them having pretty out of whack soundtracks. <laughs> mm. Uh, it's still not a six day seven night and i think the reason that movie i think i've seen more parts of that movie than i've actually i can't even remember if i've sat through the whole thing if i did it was a long ass time ago it's just one of those i think it's just i, saw that, I think i saw that in grade school or middle school like oh. my mom had probably got because she probably rented it because she loves harrison ford <laughs> yeah it was, you know what mm. so like i definitely remember watching it i don't remember much of it. <laughs> I just feel like part of it was Harry Ford and and NH Bicker and then they fall for each other because sure, David Schwimmer's in there too. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it, it a total shit fest. Fred. there would also would later be on NYPD Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of was, like the only part of the movie. Just like, hey, because like this cutie is on here. Because like the show my mom watched regularly, so I would see that. I'd watch that sometimes just with her if there was nothing else to do. <laughs> well, I mean, if we if you know your parents, crime shows and re- renovation shows. It was funny. Uh, my my grandparents were more of the crime people than my 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 folks were too busy either working, so <laughs> they weren't really watching. <laughs> Once they had kids, they, they gave up watching stuff like 37 or St. Elsewhere. <laughs> oh, jeez. Maybe if he hadn't gotten big as an actor, Harris Moore would have had his own carpentry show at some point. That was You would have thought, yeah, Home Improvement, <laughs> the carpentry I, edition. Before, <laughs> yeah, before, like, he was getting, before he hit it with acting, he was also a carpenter. Uh, yeah, oh, wow. people liked yeah. stuff. Wow. That is character name was like often a segment of his name like he's on an episode of kung fu playing a guy named mr harrison <laughs> <laughs> i could see that <laughs> i haven't seen that three-hour court martial movie he's in called judgment but i have seen the possessed horror movie uh tv film he's in it's totally worth it because it's actually not only a decent film but it's also kind of just, he has a hysterically over-the-top death where he gets burned to death by the gal with satanic powers. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I wonder if he put oh. that on his demo reel. Got fucking burned by a demonic child. <laughs> 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 he definitely didn't put the holiday special on his demo reel. I know that much. For Star oh, Wars. no. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, God. That you gotta watch that early. and just look at the faces that he makes. Oh my god. Exactly. He is so <laughs> pissed off. I mean he would rather he would he would rather be at Subway than doing that I, fucking thing. I, <laughs> I, he'd rather be doing everything against his morale, doing underground fighting or something, anything. Yes. But, <laughs> oh god, just be a bad oh, anything but that. It is kind of interesting, though, as an activist, he's pretty quiet, as he's kind of softly smoking about politics and everything, let alone about kind of social stuff. So it is kind of interesting how he eventually just played a president who's kind of like part John McCain, part Bill Clinton or something. It's just weird, a weird mixture. (laughs) Very true diffusing all these russian criminals and everything i 
I remember seeing various trivia over the years how like Gary Oldman found him a great actor to work with and yet at the same time was just like uh Harrison I don't actually want to go all method acting and like actually hit you with the prop gun he's like no it's all good we gotta sell it <laughs> so I guess you could say that tells me that he basically has kind of a go-getter attitude you know <laughs> and I yeah. think that's why I mean just even seeing him in various other interviews working with various people he just I guess you just never really got as much of a prima donna like attitude from him as you do some of these other guys where it's like oh I would hate to have to cater and bring food to their trailer. <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. Any mishaps? Right. I mean, even early on when he had like a cameo in a, the sequel to American Graffiti and the Western comedy, The Frisco Kid, I, I don't really even see any movies that really, aside from just some of the ones we touched on, that just really stand out like a sore thumb. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't say that he's bad in the Sabrina remake. I don't think the movie is really worth seeing, but, um, you know. Every, I agree. The acting is just so necessary. <laughs> it's like, the, the, the cast is trying. Right. And but, like, but you know, why, if you don't, you're not adding anything new, really. Right. Aside from, I guess, a fresh coat of paint in a, in a, in a sort in a way. <laughs> oh, totally. Because mm -hmm. of whole I guess you could say, also say he has very underrated actors to have to play opposite of. You know, you got Scorny Weaver, Helen Mirren, James Earl Jones, and I mean, he definitely doesn't get as much love for his Francis Ford Coppola work. And I mean, Coppola definitely deserves some credit for even just getting him on the Spielberg Lucas train for a while mm. um mm -hmm. but i mean looking at working girl now it's kind of a reminder it's like aren't you glad you don't work in a chaotic workplace like that <laughs> you know mm. something like the office now is like oh they totally went back to a stage play type movie like this you know <laughs> <laughs> who gets the girl who gets to be the boss and it's like so I guess you could say he's starred in some movies that also kind of have some social themes that just aren't heavy-handed for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess you could say Firewall is kind of an interesting riff tracks and just an interesting experiment on how he was willing to still kind of go with the Jodie Foster route or Bruce Willis route of just doing his formula to death and still just doing it when everyone's still solid anyway. You're like, that looks terrible. Let's go see it. <laughs> yeah yeah that's true uh, that one i actually haven't seen i i don't i know of it i've ever seen previews for it back in the day <laughs> i must confess but i still but, haven't which is, seen i still haven't seen the call of the wild yet i know i, lot, I know many were remarking about how it's kind of had a dawn of the planet of the apes kind of appeal to it where he's just playing opposite of a cgi dog <laughs> mm-hmm being just as rough, rough as the dog. <laughs> I heard mm -hmm. lots of people say it was a, it was a decent dad movie. Oh, even better. <laughs> well, have their appeal. Some some dad movies are better than others. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they like when you run out of Ghostbusters and major league movies to watch, <laughs> you put in uh, 
it'd be interesting to see what future millennial dads are doing. <laughs> Is it a mix of 80s type movies like The Stuff and The Thing mixed in with, I don't know, The Avengers? Fast <laughs> 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 and Furious? I don't know. Um, um, or better yet, just have TNT and USA Network on all day. That's all you need. Um, <laughs> wonder when we're going to go to space. All right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My bad. That was Hellraiser 4 or Leprechaun 4. Well, um, <laughs> well Jason X. Yeah, or Jason X. <laughs> Leprechaun. I'm surprised Le- he was. Leprechaun went to space. <laughs> yes, it yeah, is. He uh, it is. And then he went to uh, Harrison Ford probably went to space more times than he wanted to go. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. Did anyone see uh, Cowboys and Aliens? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was disappointed with that one, honestly. <laughs> I, I actually knew, like, the comic book creator, and it's like he had been, like, sworn off. He couldn't say anything good or bad about the movie. He just basically was paid to not talk about it. And he was like, I fucking hate what they did with that. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is, I guess you could say he and the other co-stars kind of make the movie because... It is definitely kind of too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. I'm not like offended at it by like I am by other like other people are, but it is kind of one of those. It's kind of a crazy mishmash. <laughs> yeah, it I definitely focus. It had it did have great focus. Yeah, focus. Well, what focus? Yeah. Um, the person you just yeah. grew to like, they're dead. <laughs> but, exactly. but, but, but a lot of the cast were at least I can say the cast didn't seem like they were trying. So right. usually I'll give. I typically, typically in any any movie I see, if it's good or bad, like if the actors are at least trying, I'll give them that. Like where they don't need to be trying. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Waiting for the plot twist to like, be that it's in the same universe as the Full Moon series, uh, Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god! I wish there was another one of those movies or a shadow. Uh, uh, we we might we're actually we know someone who's related to Andrew Duff. We might even tease that with him. It's like, hey, if you could revisit Oblivion, because I because I would love to sci-fi western stories. Yeah, I'm sure most people would. You know? I'd love to. You know, I'd love to see like a remake of Brave Star. Oh, Brave. oh wow! <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. that like I I didn't grow up with it, but I watched some reruns of it. It's not it's not bad. Like it's still eighties no. cheap. A lot of it is actually is, is really solid. I'm surprised it didn't, like it doesn't have as much popularity as the other filmation shows. Right, right. I keep waiting for there to even be like a discussion, like, uh, like you see, like there's always like a screenwriter disputing wh- who did or didn't create something. I'm waiting for there to be like a new uh, going back in time show. And someone who created like the '60s show, The Time Tunnel, goes, "No, no, no, no! That was my idea." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you ran for a full thirty episodes, perfect, yeah. <laughs> and you didn't right. do Back to the Future back the first time, <laughs> or timeless, or... but yeah, there are. That brings me to the other one that always had a lawsuit because there weren't enough men on a mission movies and that is the expendables and i just love how it's uh, like why why did that become a fiasco why did someone have to accuse the other person versus that other person's like man producers are just dishonest but yeah uh 
he does that like back to back with like Anchorman too. <laughs> and I'm just like, so now he's being the wacky cameo guy, and it's like he's totally spoofing his Han Solo character, just saving everyone except it's in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... I love that part where he's in the in the car with uh, uh, Jason Statham and. And Jason yeah. stayed them off, obviously with his accent. He's like, I don't know what the hell you're saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> then it's like he goes yeah, to the it, It's definitely an interesting mashup. It's like he both doesn't care and he's having fun. It's like right, perfect. Right. <laughs> it's the perfect combo. He has a lot of great moments on the Blu-ray special features. It's just like, man, yeah. So, um, Actually, I've seen the I've only seen the first two Expendables. I didn't see the third one yet. So. Uh, third one's fun if you just want to see Wesley Snipes and Antonio Banderas get a lot of fun uh, jokes in at their uh, both their personal lives and their uh, what they're better known for. That it improved on like rewatch. And the finale is pretty solid. Oh, yeah, absolutely! The finale it's is totally pretty good. For the finale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and seeing Dolph just getting into a tank and. Uh, uh, just a few other amusing lines, like <laughs> probably the last great thing I've seen Mel Gibson in. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah Mel, Mel Gibson was actually pretty good in that. You know, you could really, you know, <laughs> I can't you can tell he was trying. Each gives. He was a front villain in uh, Petty Kills. He was fun in that movie. Oh, okay, yes. even better. I'll check those out because I was watching the other one. He, he was, and he's kind of an interesting actor, kind of how he mirrors Harrison Ford. They kind of always get a lot of, like, the big-scale Paramount movies. So I thought that was kind of interesting how, uh, I mean, you look at what roles actors rejected. They were almost always on, like, the runner-up kind of <laughs> positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, before, before we began the chat, I noticed um, some of the people we were talking about uh, confirmed a lot of... Uh, stories about how basically movies get held back because they always kind of budget a movie based on what star they have. <laughs> it is yeah. interesting how they bank on that so much because how you cast it basically changes up the whole persona or tone of the movie. <laughs> Almost compromises an ego. So I guess you could say it's interesting how he's just been used before and even afterwards just being part of the ensemble. Just like, okay. We're, we're here to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I definitely got that small scale kind of Harrison Ford feel whenever I saw like uh, some uh, actors who had to kind of carry a TV show for the longest time. I definitely get that from Richard Dean Anderson, Kiefer Sutherland, a few other uh, small screen tough guys. <laughs> Um, what I find even funnier is how he and Jodie Foster and Bruce Willis do all the kind of the, you know, the, even Mel Gibson, just do the race against time, saving your family kind of formula that pretty much reinvented Denzel Washington and Harrison Ford's career. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting it how they're, they things. do. <laughs> yeah. Like Liam Neeson gave action dad. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's yeah. true. <laughs> movies for years like before and- that before that the most action movies you probably knew for would be like dark man or star wars but otherwise he was known for yeah was like- <laughs> oh man yeah 
I mean, just basically period piece type movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like take it and they had the right idea of casting an A-lister and then, of course, putting in the best lie of the movie on the trailer. I will find you and I will kill you. It's like, oh, man, I'm going to see that. <laughs> yeah, there was no there was no way that couldn't hook someone. That was just such a great line and, and the way Liam did, delivered it. I want to see a yeah. piece of BP a sweater. <laughs> yeah, this is Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I have to get to the early bird special. <laughs> oh man, I'm really surprised Harrison hasn't appeared in like some kind of Seth Rogen, not Seth Rogen, uh, Seth MacFarlane kind of special because of how the various other people he gets to do cameos. Um, I do think it's kind of wild too how. Much like Neeson and all these other guys, he's always headlining a bunch of these movies, and then he just can kick back for a while, and it's it's okay. Everyone's all, still catching up on some of his other movies. It's just a big, prolific enough resume where they can take their time. They don't have to worry about being caught up on anything. Uh, I guess you could say he's kind of just the more likable Tom Cruise, you know? <laughs> Yeah, right. Yes. Say, yeah. Everyone's going to see Mission Impossible, but I, I don't. You're not necessarily going to have people say, "I saw it because Tom Cruise is in it." It's like, well, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is kind of babies, and I'm really sure I even like him as a person, <laughs> or even give a shit. <laughs> but it's Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, in, Mission, <laughs> Mission Impossible <laughs> is definitely. Oh, I'll let Matt go first. Sorry. Uh, I just said Mission Impossible definitely, you know, was like the the the, the super olive branch, you know, to the, <laughs> to, to, to the moviegoers because it's like, how can you not like those those movies, the the stuff that he's doing, you know? And it's like, but he's friggin' crazy, but I gotta watch this movie, you know? Right? Yeah, you got all these Tom Clancy type stories with these Jackie Chan type stunts, and it's just yeah, you know, seeing it even, <laughs> and it's. Kind of wild because they've had kind of a more Ricky Rockety kind of start. Huh? Jane, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll let uh, we'll go. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Uh, well, I was just saying that. Uh, that I lost focus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I gotta. I actually gotta go for a sec because I gotta get something to eat. <laughs> Oh, all good. Okay. Well, it was great having it's you on the fun. show. Yep, for sure. Thanks for having me. Cut there. Um, so, I guess if you had to get people into his resume who haven't seen Indiana, have seen Indiana Jones too many times, may or may not be Star Wars geeks. Uh, what's the first one you're going to recommend tonight? <laughs> well, you know. Uh, obviously, as as we as we've been saying, he's had a very varied career, you know, and that's that's one thing about him. I do have to give him credit, man. He's just been mm-hmm. he's been the face or well, one of the faces of some of the hugest franchises ever, and then he's right. also done done really small little things and and drama pieces and and historical dramas and all that. But I'm gonna tell you what, <clears throat> after the Indiana Jones stuff. I mean, you know, he was still, you know, doing the movies, but I loved him in the fugitive. Oh yeah. 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 And that was a movie, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, obviously he's still acting now, but you know, at the time, you know, he was getting to that point where he was getting a little bit older 
And, right. you know, mm-hmm. I, I think people were starting to, or at least for me as a fan, I started to cross over in that thought of him being Indiana Jones or Han Solo. You know what I mean? Now it was kind of like, okay, it's Harrison Ford and he can, <laughs> and he can be in anything and still, you know, be very, very cool and kick ass. And of course in that movie, he's on the run. So right. know, once, once again, you know, he wasn't really saving anyone. He was on the run trying to avoid uh, Tommy Lee Jones and 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 uh, the law. So, uh, but it was it was a great movie. I, I enjoyed that. I still enjoy it. But back yeah, then, yeah, time wow. it's on TV. Uh, yeah, I still do endless marathons with that and U.S. Marshals, and it's just always just fun. It's like, uh, yeah. it totally brings a different feel to the whole. It's like, oh, I might have seen this over the years. Oh, you know, uh, I've seen it one too many times, but it never gets old. You know, it's it's the cereal that keeps on kicking. Um, yeah. So yeah. it is funny how you say that. I, I was reevaluating the Mosquito Coast a few weeks back. I think that's kind of interesting, though, how he decided he's had some very unusual bad guy roles. And people kind of forget that when it, when I, they say they're just so used to him being the hero or the anti-hero. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, here he plays just a symbolic guy who basically destroys his family based on greeting greed and it's like that's a dangerous role for someone to do back in that prime of their career you know it used to be like uh no i you're the bad guy i I only see you as the rapist or the serial killer nope that's what you're playing the rest of your life (laughs) (laughs) people were harsh back then with typecasting still are in some degree um i guess you could say he's just been I guess you could say he was just pleasant enough that I guess in real life that people were willing to work with him. Mm-hmm. I don't really mm-hmm. know that he's a method actor, but he definitely choosed a bunch of different personas. And uh, I guess he's just done enough to where he just doesn't want to waste everyone's time. So he just always just says straight up whether or not he's interested in doing it or not, or he mm-hmm. just does these cameras like he's been doing. Um, I mean, he's very intense in Ender's Game like he is in K-19, and it's like those movies are both literally submarines, you know, type movies. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could say maybe his career is like a submarine. (laughs) He just (laughs) goes through the tunnel, then he comes up for air, then he goes back down for stealth, and then goes back for a test run. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said before, I uh, unlike some of the other people we really covered, where they mostly had a pretty straightforward, pretty cool resume. He, what blunders he's had have either gone on to be unintentionally funny or just not so bad that they just literally destroy him for the rest of the decade. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's true. Like, like in the nineties, he, he fortunately again, yeah, he had Fugitive, he had few other lesser seen movies that like double zone we got to play opposite brad pitt and random hearts but like uh, those kind of make up for you know six days seven nights <laughs> and what lies beneath <laughs> yeah and what lies beneath so there you go <laughs> it's like and i remember some people used to swear by that uh, and it's like you know i don't really think it was so much that it was just the plot twist 
that no one bought as it was just the buildup. It just doesn't know if it wants to be a mystery movie or a horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could say he's just kind of mostly just avoided being the overexerting sequel guy, I guess. I mean, I don't even find him too bad in some of those Star Wars recent movies, I guess you could say, because, I mean, he just... He really just has, like, three different emotions. He has just kind of silent breakdown. He has, you know, snarky amusement, amusing for it. And then he has, you know, uh, intense, you know, running around, you know, action mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you could also say he's one of the many actors who's always amusing to see in blooper reels. <laughs> yep. I guess, I guess the only regret is you didn't see more of it. <laughs> This is wild. Yeah, you would think some of his movies he there'd be at least like a Air Force One like blooper reel. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, I would love to see that. <laughs> yes, throwing a detonator at someone. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, one we could mention. That I also watched a few days ago was Presume Innocence. Yeah, yeah. Night, uh, mm. were you able to see that one? I saw that a long time ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was one of those. Crazy. I would always, I would always see it on channels, but I, ne- I always never like saw it all the way because with commercials, it's just terrible. But, uh, <laughs> uh, seeing it on the movie channels, just uncut, you know, in its glory, it, just, it, he literally bears his naked soul in that movie. Oh yeah, and he's yeah, just like, and, and he's technically not even a good person, but just a flawed person and it's just an interesting is like how do you defend yourself when you know you've done two unforgivable things been dishonest with your wife been you know job over actual life and it's like it's an interesting dilemma and he plays perfectly off of his lawyer Rahulia <laughs> yep. uh, yeah I mean more or less and uh, uh, definitely an underrated role for him and I'm at least glad that he got to play a classic kind of what would have been a 40s or 50s, you know, B picture with, you know, great music and lighting, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was made mm-hmm. in the 90s. Um, I guess you could say he's been, for- he definitely had a good agent who was just able to get all these movies and uh, guest spots booked. It- he's even funny on his various, you know, late night appearances. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. Some- <laughs> Each time he's been on Conan, he's been unexpectedly sarcastic. It's like, man, never would have seen it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess it's cool that he's never... I don't want to say his movies aren't without conflict. I guess I'm just glad I've never had to see him play a rapist or a sexist or a racist, you know, in any movie. Right. <laughs> or that he's been known to be that. So it's like, it's pretty cool that he can be of the Hollywood elite and not be a dickhead at any restaurant you know <laughs> uh, i remember will ferrell told a funny story how he was on anchorman 2 and he was saying a subtle thing so you want dinner and they didn't know that he was in person he's like he was inviting everybody on the set to dinner <laughs> <laughs> for a silly movie he's like nice. hey, <laughs> nice. just talking with my people my actors <laughs> my actors oh <laughs> uh, I guess that movie cameo was on wild because you didn't expect him to take it 
so on seriously while still with a straight face. They <laughs> just say stupid shit with a straight face. Right, right. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Uh, uh, John, do you have any other roles you'd recommend? I mean, so we got Fugitive, Presumed Innocent. Um, Let's see. Can't think of. I definitely recommend Mosquito Coast. That's, that just doesn't get enough love. <laughs> that's not a different role for him because that's one where his character basically goes crazy throughout the film. And I mean, very subtly, like he just slowly starts raising his voice and then he just does other actions instead of just kind of overacting. <laughs> Everyone else would kind of chew the scenery and he just kind of just yeah. chooses to just kind of be manic but still a little reserved he's like what okay like he just where he takes that machete and just starts hacking down the bamboo himself he's like man <laughs> mm-hmm. he's playing a different kind of go-getter someone who thinks oh i'm not doing anything wrong everything right. i've done i'm gonna justify it even though it's the worst possible thing ever <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, i guess it goes back to the whole actors you know the character back backstory, whether it's in the script or not, is like you justify everything they do. That's why you're a good actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. He apparently just was able to do the basics, and his heart was really in it. <laughs> uh, when I saw him on Inside the Actor Studio, it was definitely interesting because he kind of talked about I don't recommend it for everybody, and yet if you want to get the emotional reward out of it, that's when you know you made it. <laughs> it's like that was kind of fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Because everyone else would have just said, you know, I did because of girls, money, you know, <laughs> fame. <laughs> and he just kind of, for whatever reason, he didn't really know what else he wanted to do, but he knew it was like, just kind of got that, these different personas I want to play around with in front of the camera. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So. Alrighty. Well, uh, other than that, um, uh, Knight, where can we find you on social media? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on... I'm on Twitter probably Woo! the most. So I'm on Twitter at uh, Nightwatch underscore one. And uh, I am on Instagram as well, but I don't, I don't, I don't go on there as much. Just usually maybe once or twice a week. But because uh, I'm nice. so busy on... I'm so busy on YouTube, it's hard to get on the other... You know the other platforms as much, but <laughs> but I but I am on Twitter quite a bit. So Nightwatch underscore one. Very cool. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, John, what will you be reviewing next on the Action Elite? I got some thinking of reviewing. I'll try to figure that out sometime soon. <laughs> Is it on Tubi? <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, yes. Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon, you suck. You're mean to your workers, and yet I guess I'm a terrible person because I like these <laughs> uh, <laughs> streaming services. All righty. Well, uh, thank you ever so much. And uh, this was a fun, quick episode, and we'll welcome you back anytime, night. Um, cool. <laughs> Yeah, I'll look. Quick... I'll look. I'll look at the list and, uh, and see <laughs> what else, see whatever ones I'll see what other ones I'd like to pop on. Yeah, this was fun though, man. I appreciate it a lot being invited. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> quick to the point 
and sturdy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All righty. Godspeed to you. <laughs> All right. Catch you later, man. Anytime. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, please. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah, ah, ah. Good fun stuff. Well, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me.
If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steve and Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith, 
Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zemanoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zemanoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them 
at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.